Amen. Well, grab your seat, grab your Bible, turn to Joshua 15. We are in the sixth book of the Old Testament, chapter 15. And worship team, thank you so much. Pastor Nick's been gone with Jill and on some vacation. Haven't they just done a great job? I tell you, I love these guys. Thank you. Um, Love our team. We are very blessed. Chapter 15, let's just get right at it because uh, I covered five chapters, Joshua chapters, 15 through 19 and 32 minutes in the first hour because I got about 15 minutes of something to talk with you about afterwards. And so we're going there. You ready? Buckle up. Can we do it? (laughs) Yeah, most of you are like, no, you can't. (laughs) We'll find out. Uh, We are in the uh, possessing of the moving into the promised land section of the book of Joshua. It's just really an intriguing and interesting section. And I'll also note it this way. Chapters 15 through 19, this is kind of one of those, this is a great opportunity to catch up on your Bible reading plan time. Because it's like, skip it, skip it. And just as you look at chapter 15 in your Bible, I hope you're looking there. You can just see there's, especially at the the latter half of chapter 15, it's just all these cities. It's just city, 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 city. And you're like, uh, I want to be in my Bible for what God has to say for me to help me. And it's like boring. This is completely irrelevant. Skip it. Skip it, right? <laughs> Chickens. Hey, thank you. <laughs> A teen comes to the table. Um, listen, I yawn and skip it when I'm reading through most of these of the time. Um, but let me just kind of really ask a, a base question. Why? Why do that? I think there's a legitimate answer to that. And, and it's really kind of like, duh, Doug. I mean, because we're far removed from these places. I mean, all these people and their territories and all these cities, um, I just don't know them. I don't know who they are. I don't know the ancient lists. And, and I don't mean any of that like any kind of guilt thing. It's just a fact. We're far removed from all of these places in it. And I don't want for us, and I don't want for you to feel like, listen, if you love Jesus, if you love the Bible, not only would you know where all these places are, but you could pro- pronounce them in proper Hebrew. Okay, no, 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 no. That, that, that's just kind of pompous and pious. And that's not who we are. Um, instead, I think that uh, we can get something out of this. But what so often happens is is when you come to these and preachers or teachers are teaching on this section, they they bypass it because of what we've just talked about. Or secondly, um, what they end up doing is turning it into a geography lesson. Like, let me give you an example. You can see here up on the screen uh, a list of some cities in the U.S. here. Uh, Go ahead and hit those. The list of cities up in the U.S. There's two lists here. And maybe you know some of those or familiar with some of them. Maybe you don't. But on the whole, you're kind of looking at them. And I know right now you're going, man, that changes my life. Uh, Not. It's not what's going on. So I realize that. And so I'm like, but wait a second. Those cities have some depth to them. There is some useful stuff out of these. So what we end up doing oftentimes is let's turn them into a map. And so we take them in a map and we dot them all over the place where they are. We talk about populations of them and, and, and these various kinds of things, terrain and climate, culture. And it just becomes a geography lesson. You're like, okay, maybe interesting, maybe not. But what, so what am I supposed to do increasingly so for the Lord this week? Uh, it doesn't show. So another thing then that we would do from that is make a timeline out of it. 
In other words, connect the dots on how things go and flow and move. And it may be like, oh, that's an interesting connection point, and that's kind of intriguing, but to tell you the truth, uh, it's still not useful. And why? Because even though they are cities in a place that you may know, you're still far removed from that. But for two people in this room, they are not far removed from that, and that's actually Karen and myself. Uh, the light blue list is kind of showing you, since I was born, all the places that I've lived and where we've traveled to. And the pink list is of Karen and, and how those two ended up kind of coming together and places we've been to. And, and uh, let me just bring this back to the passage we're going at. And I would say it this way. Karen and I, there's two things in those lists of places that stick out for us. Number one there's a real declaration that's being said that in every one of those cities, I am telling you, friends, God was faithful to his word. I'm telling you, you don't even know, have to know anything about those cities, but do know this, in every one of those places, God has been faithful to his word there. Secondly, the list of cities up there, even though you may know them, may not know them, I think it poses a question. Did they live faithful for, to the Lord there? Did they? I wonder if they lived faithful unto the Lord there. Those are the two things that come to the table. And, and so when we go back to the list of lots in chapters 15 through 19, it's not just a geography lesson. It's not just a list of cities. It's a really about two things. Number one, God is faithful to his word in all those places. Because I could summarize the, these five chapters this simply. These are the areas that God allotted to the 12 tribes of Israel. End of story. Let's go to chapter 20. That's really what it's about. But no, in this, I want to take some time and kind of bring some integrity. As we're going through Joshua, let's at least touch on this. Because the list of lots have something. They have a declaration. God is faithful to a word and they pose a question. I wonder if the people were faithful for the Lord there. I wonder. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to pose, uh, uh, make the declaration. We're going to ask the question with each of these chapters. And lastly, I want to add this. 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is inspired by God. In other words, all scripture is God's word. And then it goes on to say, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. And if it's all scripture, the lists are part of the all. And so God didn't have to put the lists in. And I'm not saying let's go through and name every city and let's pronounce every name and, and make it that. But I am saying this, wait a second. All scripture is God breathed and is useful. That's God's intent. God intends even the list to be useful to you and I. Because verse 17 goes on to say that the man of God, that the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped. So I want us to go into these chapters. We're going to kind of buzz through them. We're not going to read them all, but we're just going to make some points out of them knowing this. God included these five chapters, these lists of lots, because he has something useful in them and it can equip us for what we want to do in life for the Lord. Okay? Here we go. God, I pray that you would just bless our time in your word. Show us more of you. In your name we pray. Amen. Joshua 15. This chapter, as you can see, if you have headings on your chapters, most likely, it traces the boundaries of the lots. It traces the boundaries of the territories for the tribe of Judah. Uh, in fact, in the beginning, it says that, allotted for the tribe of Judah in verse 1. Uh, this chapter makes a declaration. 
God is faithful to his word. God is faithful to what? To his word. Uh, Why do I say that? Because all of this fact of even verse 1 as well as through the whole chapter, the fact that there is an actual allotment of land for this tribe of the people of Israel is saying that what God said way back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and 15 when God made a covenant with Abraham, hey dude, I am going to raise a nation out of you and you are going to be a people with a place, a sending base place, a place that you would be priest of the world. Hey dude, I I am going to raise you up a nation and I'm going to give you a place. And guess what? They've, they've become a nation, but they have no place, but now they do. Chapter 15 says God is faithful to his word. What he said centuries ago, guess what? Chapter 15 is proof. God follows through on what he says he's going to do. Period. Bank on it. Now it's a question in it as well. Look at all these cities. I'm just going to randomly pick some. Kerioth Hezron, a mom. Uh, Rimmon, uh, Zenoa, Zenon, however you pronounce these, wherever they are, I have a question. I wonder as they've settled in, as they're settling in, and I wonder what, are they going to be faithful to the Lord? All of those places, I wonder if God's people there, I wonder if they're going to be faithful unto the Lord there. By the way, you you remember uh, uh, last week, if you were here, Joshua 14, Remember 85-year-old gladiator Caleb? I mean, six-pack ab, 85-year-old Caleb dude, stud man. I'm telling you, wow, what a guy. Remember him last Sunday? He's like, in chapter 14, he's like, hey, Joshua, uh, don't give me the plains. Don't give me the flatland. Give me the hill country and the Anakim. I don't want the Oompa Loompas. I want the big boy WWF guys, and I want to take them all out. 85 years old. And that's what he asked for. But guess what? The story never told us what happened. Look at verse 14, chapter 15. And Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Sheshai, and Iamon, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak. By the way, please understand that. That statement is not saying, oh, big deal. He drove out like a dozen people. No, no. He drove them all out. Why did, Glad- why did Gladiator Caleb want to do that? And how is it that Gladiator Caleb could do that? He wanted to do that and he did do that. Guess why? Because God is faithful to his word and he hung to that. That's why. Because Caleb didn't think he was the stud monster of the universe. It's because he knew the one that was over the universe. And he trusted in what he had to say because God said that I will go before and I will take them out. And Caleb's like, I want on that boat and I'm going in. And God showed himself. Man, how cool is that? They were faithful to his word. What he said he will do, they will do. And Caleb trusted in that, lived on that. And it just brings back the reality of not by word, not, or not by might, not by strength, but by every word of God that proceeds, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what we're to be about. And friends, that's why the fact that God is faithful to his word is so important because you and I cannot live by faith if God is not faithful to his word. And he is, therefore, the question comes up, are you, am I, are we? Joshua 15, man, I'm telling you, Joshua 15, that list preaches. Joshua 16 and 17, a list of lots that traces the boundaries of the territory allied to the tribes of Joseph. 
As you'll see in the text there, it's to Manasseh and Ephraim. Uh, Manasseh is the older son of Joseph, Ephraim the younger son of Joseph. And, and uh, if I remember right, chapter 16 and 17, as I've been talking about, it makes a declaration. And that declaration is God is faithful to his word. Every city listed, God is faithful to his word. I want to note this out of chapter 16 and 17, though. God is faithful to his word, not man's ways. Now, I, I hope, I genuinely hope I'm not being too picky and trying to take something out of the context in the way that the scripture is written. But I want to note something out of the way that the scripture, this list is, uh, this list is listed in these two chapters here. Note the tribe of Ephraim is listed first in chapter 16, verse 5. Look at it. Uh, the territory of the people of Ephraim. Now, right before that, it says the people of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim received their inheritance. And then it starts with the listing of the land for Ephraim. And then look, chapter 17, verse 1. Then it tells about the allotment for the people of Manasseh. Listen, people reading this at that time knew something was going weird. And what was going weird was that Ephraim, the younger son territory, was listed first, was listed before Manasseh, the older son list. Now, let's go back to the story because all of this goes back to Genesis 48. In Genesis 48, what happens is, is Joseph takes two of his sons, is Manasseh and Ephraim, and he takes them to Grandpa Jacob. Uh, Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, and Jacob had Joseph. Joseph had Manasseh and Ephraim. So Joseph brings Manasseh and Ephraim before Grandpa Jacob. And in that day, the, the pattern of what people would do is the, they would bring the children, and the older son would be on Grandpa's right hand. He, Grandpa would put his head on the oldest son's right head, and then he would put his left hand on uh, the youngest son or the group of younger sons, and he would give their blessing. And the first son had the greater blessing, than the others. And so Joseph brings Manasseh and Ephraim before Grandpa Jacob. He brings them in. And so he sets Manasseh here and he sets Ephraim here so that Grandpa Jacob can go right hand on Manasseh, left hand on Ephraim. And that's how he places them. But guess what Grandpa Jacob does? After he says to them, God is going to bless you and give you a place. Oh, by the way, God is faithful to his word. He's carrying it on through. And after he says that, Grandpa Jacob goes like this. And he crosses his hands. And Dad Joseph, what he does, Dad, 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 I know you're ill. I know you're sick. I know you're about to die and all that. Yeah, thanks, son. That's real encouraging. And I know all that, but listen, you got, you got it wrong, Dad. No, the way we do it is like this. Manasseh's over here. Ephraim's over here. Hey, Dad, I get it wrong. Dad's like, dude, how long do I got to parent you? <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 I got it right. The Lord's got it right. And he went like this and he laid his blessing. And he laid the main part of the blessing on Ephraim. And he remained the less part of the blessing on Manasseh. That's not the way men did it. But guess what? God is not bound to man's ways. And there comes times in history where God does this. And we're a little freaking out. And he's like, no, 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 I got it. I got it. I'm not stuck in your little box. And that happens to be with practices, with how we term things. The, you know, the laws of nature that we term, guess what? That's God's deal. And we've already seen that in Joshua, that God can take our laws of nature and he can make the sun stand still for a whole day, neener, neener, neener. 
That's the reality because God is God in this and God is faithful to his word, not our little boxes and our little cubicles of who God can be. I asked the question, chapter 16 and 17, will the people of Joseph rise up for God there? Yes and no. Uh, look over chapter 17, verse 3 and 4. Ladies, especially look at this. Way to go, girls, because the first part of the answer is yes. Chapter 17, verse 3. Now, Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, oh, bless his heart, um, <laughs> son of Gilead, son of Machar, son of uh, uh, Manasseh, had no sons but only daughters, and these are the names of the daughters, Milha, Noah, Hogla, uh, she probably came from Heifer. Milcah and, and Terza, and they approached Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the leaders and said to them, the Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance along with our brothers. So according to the mouth of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance among the brothers of their father. Now, let me bring the story into this. You can just note it down, look at it later. It comes out of Numbers 27. and Some of it's already told here to us. Zelophehad, the father, as the text tells us, he had no sons. He, he only had five daughters at the time. And so he dies. And so at that time in Numbers 27, what happens is this, the dad dies and, and the sisters, uh, they go before Moses and Eleazar and the plurality of leadership. This was back some decades ago. And they go before them and they say, why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan because he had no son? That's a great question. Please give to us a possession among our father's brothers. I love this. Way to go, girls. I mean, these five sisters come up and they're thinking. They're pro- wait, wait well, why, why is it this way? And they come up in a respectful kind of way. Not like, this isn't like, come on, man, you know, we need our stuff. This is ours. No, none of that. A respectful way, going to the leadership and asking them, hey, hey, wait a second, this doesn't seem right. I think this is a passionate, respectful plea. So what happens? So Moses brings the case before the Lord. Let me read you out of Numbers 27 what happens. Moses brings it before the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, the daughters of Zelophehad are right. <laughs> that was wimpy the daughters of Zelophehad are right you shall give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers and transfer the inheritance of their father to them listen God doesn't function by man's ways God can do it his own way and I love the fact way to go girls they're faithful here and think about this. This is so like Joshua 14 if you were here where Caleb comes before Joshua and the leaders And Caleb comes and he says, listen, remember what God had promised us back when we spied on the land? Listen, I respectfully and I passionately, I ask, listen, what God has said he would do, I ask that it happen now. And that's what these girls are doing. Wait, what are they doing? What they are doing is they are making a forthright plea to Yahweh's past word. Because God is faithful to his word. They're hanging on that. Love it. Way to go, girls. And I just ask all of us, are you shy about, let me call this, dinging God's countertop bell? You know when you go to a store and there's like the service area and maybe no one's there and they got a bell to ding? I'm kind of the kind of guy to where it's like, I'll just leave. I'll come back another time. I do not want to ding that bell, man. Uh, not one, it's kind of girly. Two, I just, I'm kind of timid in that. And it's like, I don't want everybody looking at me like, that guy's rude. And I'll just leave. Others of you are like, ding, 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 ding. Uh, I, I'm just telling God is not our genie. We're not talking about that. 
Okay, so let's be mature beyond that. I am not saying go ring Santa Claus's ding bell. I am saying in here, what's happening is, is here is like coming out of Hebrews. This idea of Hebrews that comes out, it says, uh, if you're in Jesus Christ, uh, he is our high priest at the right hand of the father. And Hebrews talks about this idea that therefore we can have confidence as an adopted child of God, to draw near to his throne of grace and find grace in time of need. It's not the ding, ding, I want an airplane. Ding, ding, I want a Ferrari. No, no, no. Ding, ding, I need some grace here. And redeemed one in Christ. This has been a challenge for me personally, and it fits to what I'm going to be talking about later on this morning. If God has provided access through Jesus Christ, Why are we shy about drawing near and calling for what he desires to give? Why am I shy about that? Ring that bell. And these five sisters did. Did the people rise up faithful? Well, in chapters 16 and 17, they did Uh, for five sisters, but I also answer that no. Look at chapter 17, verse 14. Then the people of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying, why have you given me but one lot? Look at that. The people of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying, why have you given me? In other words, put in the context of what it is. Why have you given us but one lot and one portion as an inheritance? Although Although we are a numerous people, since all along the Lord has blessed us. And Joshua said to them, if you are numerous people, go out by yourselves to the forest and there clear ground for yourselves in the land of the Perizzites and the Ephraim. And, and since the hill country of Ephraim is too narrow for you, the people of Joseph said, in other words, just clear out some more land. You've got plenty. Clear out some more. And look, 16, the people of Joseph said the hill country is not enough for us. Out. Are we picking up some kind of a bad attitude? A discontentedness rising up? So here, Joshua in this, he's like, listen, you, you, got, you got the ability to go go clear out the land. Later on, he talks about, yes, the Canaanites, they do have chariots. They are strong, but you will disp- dispossess them. Why does he say that? Because Joshua knows that God has said he will go before and he is the warrior. And Joshua knows that God is faithful to his word. And he's basically telling them, be faithful to what God has said, because God is faithful to his word. And they're like, "Um, mm, not quite. This is such a sad discontentedness. But on top of that, this is even more so a distrust of Yahweh's adequacy for them. God doesn't even know how many people we are. He doesn't even know what square footage we need. (laughs) Doofus. Isn't it true? God is not a doofus. God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly why. And you and I can bank on it. Man, I'm telling you, these lists teach. These lists teach. 
One person has said, you will, <laughs> you will see little of God's power living in discontentville. You will see little of God's power living in discontentedville. And I will add to that, if God is not adequate for you, be careful because you are being God of God. Chapter 18 and 19, last two chapters. Here's the list, the boundaries of the territories allotted to the, the remaining tribes on the west side of the Jordan. That's the tribe of Benjamin, Simeon, Zebulun, Issachar, uh, Asher, Naphtali, Dan. Now guess what these cities are declaring? You tell me. Thank you to my wife. Okay. Second service is always quieter. So let me kind of bring it along here. What have we been learning that every one of these cities declare? He is, he is. And I realize I, I didn't help you bring out that in the beginning. But God is what? Every one of these cities, it reminds us, listen, the, the Bible is a resounding declaration that God is faithful to his word. That's what it's there for. That's why we're in it, because God is faithful to what he has said. What God has said he will do, he will do. And what God has called us to do, we are to do. And so when God told Abraham that he would build a lineage, a vast nation out from him, even though he didn't see it in his day, and that he would give them a place, a sending-based place to the world, to be priest of the world, when God said he would do that, guess what? Abraham needed to bank on it. And when God said that a redeemer would come, Genesis chapter 3, bank on that. And when God says that if you seek me, you will find me, bank on that. And when God says that all who come to him, who understand that they're a sinner uh, and repent and turn and drive the stake in the ground and receive Jesus Christ as their savior. And he says that I will forgive you, redeem you, adopt you and hold you. Guess what? Bank on that. And when John talks about how uh, he holds his own in his hand and the father wraps him in his, guess what? Bank on that because those are good hands to be held in. And when God talks about how all things work together for good, even when it doesn't seem good, guess what? Bank on that. And when God says that he is coming back, bank on that. And when God says that there will be a time where he will dwell with his people, he will dwell with his people and there will be no more tears, no more death, no more pain, no more crying. And he will reside with his people forever. Guess what? Bank on it. What God has said he will do, he will do. We need to bank on that reality. Now I have a question for chapter 18 and 19. I wonder if the people were faithful to the Lord in those places. Chapter 18, look at verse, starting verse 1. Then the whole congregation of the people of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land laid subdued before them. That's an important statement. The land laid subdued before them. You know, like with a dog, where sometimes they're just like there, and they're just so sweet, and they're just so like submissive. He's just there. Just, just, just go and pet him. Verse 2. There remained among the people of Israel seven tribes whose inheritance had not been apportioned. So Joshua said to the people of Israel, How long will you put off going in to take possession of the land? How long will you put off going in and taking possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? There's some uh, 
dangerous laxity here going on with the people. And it's interesting in the grammar because we could say, we, we, we might be able to respond in reading that and go, well, maybe they just had a bad day or a bad week. No, but, but in the grammar, it, it's, a, it's a participle that has this idea that it's a persisting action. It's a persisting attitude. In other words, this just wasn't a bad day. It's like, this has been going on for a long time. There's a dangerous laxity among my people. Go in and take what God has already subdued. What's happening? I want to add this statement. You can talk about it at lunch. God's promises do not cancel human responsibility. God's promises of what he will do does not cancel human responsibility in it. Boy, that's a lovely debate to go into. I would love to, but let me just say it this way. When God promises, when God has his promises, they are not there to, in order to sedate us. Like, oh, okay, he's got it all taken care of. Woo, we can just chill back and like kick it out. No, 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 they're there to stimulate us. No, no, God's got it all in control. How sweet is that? Now let's get after it. It's not there to sedate us, but to stimulate us. It's not there to tame us, but to arouse us into action. God's faithfulness is to drive us to be faithful. You and I can be faithful only because God is faithful to what he has said and done. redeemed person in Christ. Are you living with a sense of urgency for God? Or does laxity describe you? If laxity describes you, I seek to lovingly say, how long will you put off going in to take possession? of what God has called you to you. How long? How how long will you hold until you pursue after with urgency what God has called you to do and to be? How long? How long? It's kind of like Joshua's meeting with them and he's like going, guys, God's subdued it. Like, go, come on, go, like, go. There's a sense of urgency that comes out of this. But Doug, my career, man, dude, you have no idea what's going on in my career life. You have no idea what the struggle with our finances. You know, you know we've got little kids, you know, we've got the sports going on, we've got school going on, and you know, my health isn't great right now. And boy, I'm just busy, and I'm just old and tired. I, I, I get it. I'm old and tired too. Come on, but but pick it up. Rearrange life. What's most important going on? What do our kids really need to see us doing and and, and being involved with? What's happening here? Wait, how long were you persistent laxity? Wow. That's hard. But that's what's happening within the list of the reality. List can preach to us in our own lives. They are useful and they can equip us because they are God's words. Let me, final thing, just a side note. The tribe of Levi, I referred to them last Sunday when we were in chapter 14. Look at chapter 18, verse 7. Uh, the Levites have no portion among them. Boy, they got ripped off. I mean, the Levites, really, if you're not quite sure with who they are, basically, let's just call them, they're the priests of the people. 
They don't get nothing. No, no, I didn't finish the rest of the statement. The Levites have no portion among you for the priesthood of the Lord is their heritage. We talked about what it says about with them in chapter 14 last Sunday and in some of the other passages earlier from 13 through 18. And this statement is made again and again. And the tribe of Levi inherits a priesthood, not a product. The tribe of Levi inherits service to God, not stuff from God. The tribe of Levi, I like this idea. They inherited a front row seat with a relationship with God, not real estate. They're like front row relationship, not real estate. And nothing is wrong with stuff. Nothing is wrong with real estate. I have stuff. I have real estate, at least portion of it. (laughs) But I ask, is relationship enough? Really? I mean, seriously. Is relationship with the Lord enough? Satisfying. I mean, think of all the time that we spend, all the thought we invest, all the effort we put forward with our stuff and our real estate. I genuinely ask, is relationship with the Lord inheritance enough? Some challenges out of 15 through 19, 33 minutes. Another map. Another map. This map makes a declaration. In all of those cities that are shown there in that area that's circled there, the west side of Indy, that map makes a declaration that God is faithful to his word. God is in the business of redeeming people. God is in the business of changing people. God is in the business of raising people up into increased means and modes of of leadership, of of, of discipleship under the Lord. God is raising his church and he's doing all of that because he said that he would. God is faithful to his word here in our territory. And this map also raises the question we've been asking and it's this. Will the people living in this territory, will they rise up for Yahweh? Will they? Will we? The story is still being written. So not only does that mean there's hope for you if that hasn't been the case, because the story can start a new chapter. But it's also a challenge in the fact that the story is not concluded and therefore there's more to do, more to do. Rise up for Pete, rise up for the Lord, people of God. Let's rise up. Let's be that. Let's write a chapter, if you will, in God's redemptive story that those people there, they rose up for God. Not perfect, but they got after it. More God, more God, more for your glory. Show us more front row seats. May that be our prayer.